1989, I got a call. Uh, I was on vacation and the phone rang and it was a guy who introduced himself as Mark Lieberman, who was an ophthalmologic surgeon in San Francisco, who was calling to invite me to go to Dharamsala, India and teach Judaism to the Dalai Lama. I hung up on him because I thought it was a phony phone call. Fortunately, he called back and told me, don't hang up, Blue Greenberg told me to call you. Blue Greenberg is a noted feminist in the Orthodox community who I knew slightly. Uh, so I, I kept listening. Um, and Mark told me that the Dalai Lama was interested in understanding how to survive in diaspora and had reached out to the Jews that he knew connected with the Cummings Foundation to bring a group of rabbis and Jewish educators to Dharamsala. Long story short, I went. Welcome to Season 5 of 76 West, recorded appropriately in an office at the corner of West 76th Street and Amsterdam Avenue in New York City. In past years, you've heard conversations with some of the great thinkers of our time. This season, you're going to hear the voice of one of them, Rabbi Joy Levitt. Sometimes she'll be by herself, sometimes accompanied by the amazing people who helped make the program she shepherded a reality. Joy Works worked best in collaboration with others, people who pushed her, prodded, who inspired her as much as she inspired them. That's going to be, is, her legacy to the Marlene Meyerson JCC Manhattan, a spirit of positivity, of moving onward and upward, taking a simple idea, a Jewish community center, and elevating it beyond what anyone would use as their definition. Today's episode of 76 West begins with Joy Levitt's life-changing trip to teach Judaism to the Dalai Lama. As soon as Joy and some colleagues had a chance to bring meditation to the Upper West Side, they did it in the form of Makom, a space within the JCC building which has become a daily refuge for hundreds since the building opened in 2002. I think the biggest thing that we all experienced was seeing our own precious tradition in a new light by people who needed it suddenly. And as we were unpacking it for them, in the same way that, you know, you unpack clothes that have been in storage for a long time and you take delight in those things that you hadn't seen, we somehow saw our own tradition in new and beautiful ways. In 1997, I came to work at the JCC, and on the books of the planned building was a meditation center. And at that moment, Debbie Hirschman came to me and said, you know something about this, what would you do with this space? And I gathered together um, a group of people, including my meditation teacher, Sylvia Borstein, Zalman Shakhtar Shalomi, who had been on the trip with us um, to Dharamsala, and others, including 
um, my beloved friend Rachel Cowan, Aleha HaShalom, and we gathered together to imagine what a meditation center in a JCC might look like. Charlie Halpern was also there from the Cummings Foundation. Charlie had very strong feelings that the meditation center be only silent, that we never allow anyone to talk there. That was not going to happen. I mean, it was not going to happen because it needed to be somewhat of a multi-purpose room. Zalman, at this meeting, suggested it be oval. In the original uh, plans for the building, it was a regular square, a rectangular room, like all the other rooms on the seventh floor. But I went back to the architects and I said, it needs to be oval. It's ironic because no one can exactly remember why Zalman felt that way. And when I went back to ask him years later, he couldn't remember himself. So the room was going to be oval. And then we commissioned, with some money from the Cummings Foundation, Sylvia Borstein, to design a meditation program for us. And Rachel, at the time, was head of Jewish life at the Cummings Foundation, and she helped secure the early funding for um, what was to become Makom, which was the name that we were going to call this space, playing off the word in Hebrew, which means place or space, and also is another word for God. So it was kind of a spiritual, it has a spiritual quality without being either denominational or specific with the word God, right? Sylvia designed this program that um, suggested that there be daily meditation every morning for 45 minutes from 7.30 to 8.15, and every afternoon except on Shabbat from 5.30 to 6.15. And we have kept religiously to that structure and attracted between 10 and 15 people every morning and every afternoon. So it is a completely free program. We could never figure out how to operationalize that. And we have some donors to Macomb who support the work. We had meditation guides. Some of them were rabbis. Some of them were Buddhist teachers who were Jewish. All of them practiced a form of meditation called Vipassana meditation. There are many different um, forms of meditation, but that was the one that that we had established. It's a, it's a breathing meditation, a focus on the breath. But each teacher had a sort of different style. Um, when my husband, Michael Strassfeld, was leading daily meditation, um, he did nigunim. He would just sing for 45 minutes while people sat in silence. Um, whereas other people did breathing meditations, guided meditations, lots of different options. And when COVID happened, we were able to pivot online and still run this program. It's a program I'm really proud of. I think it did two things. Its goal was to do two things. First, to reach um, people who had left the Jewish community because they couldn't find a spiritual home in traditional synagogues and who were practicing meditation in Buddhist and other centers who came home. 
who really did come home. And second, to help quiet the minds of busy parents and professionals and, and people who needed in the busyness of city life to just slow down. I will never forget, we did the groundbreaking. We decided as the programmatic for that week that each day we would highlight a different aspect of the work that we planned to do. And Rachel and Michael led a meditation uh, one morning of that week on Amsterdam Avenue. So this is a, you know, a hole in the wall. It had been a gas station. Um, it now was like a pile of dirt. We had a tent up, and they sat to do this meditation. And I first said to Rachel, this is the craziest thing I ever heard. Of. How are you going to do silent meditation on Amsterdam Avenue at 8 o'clock in the morning with these trucks, you know, rolling by? And Rachel said, we, we don't live in the country. We need to learn how to settle our minds in the busyness of the city. So... Our meditation practice has got to work with the noise of our lives. And I believe that it remains a, um, a living legacy t um, in memory of Rachel. There were a number of times when I would go down to the space, not to go to Macomb, but to go to another space on that floor, maybe to walk to Mayan or someplace or the bait. And I would see somebody sitting in the room by themselves and just quiet. And I realized, like, where else in New York can you do that? Could be a staff person, could be a member. Once or twice it was a teenager. And I just felt um, grateful that we had had the foresight to r realize that New Yorkers need this. Seventy Six West is a presentation of the Marlene Meyerson JCC Manhattan. The series was produced and edited by me, Eric Winnick. Our theme music was written and performed by Peril Wolf. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out the other seasons of Seventy Six West, available on iTunes, Google Play and anywhere else podcasts are available. You can also listen to our episodes at mmjccm.org slash 76-west. Please subscribe and give us a rating on iTunes if you enjoy the show. Every little bit helps. Until next time, we'll see you around the neighborhood.